Hey all, it's AJ here from Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. Really amped for our call-up podcast with pro rugby player Ati Mayinje. Ati relates his story of how as a young up-and-coming rugby player with the talent and ambitions for higher honours, he threw absolutely everything at building a successful career in the game. He describes the toll that a myriad of injuries had on his progress on the path that he chose for himself. A path that eventually led to the realisation of using his talents and status not to reach himself but as a platform to touch the lives of the less fortunate in the challenged communities where he came from. If you're enjoying our work give us a like and a share on your socials and find us on all the top podcast apps. Search for the Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. The Call Up Podcast where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. So welcome to episode six of the Call Up uh, podcast. We've had a cricketer, we've had a footballer, we've had a track and field athlete, we've had a field hockey player, we've had a Paralympian. And lots of people have been saying to me, when are you going to have a rugby player on this? And some people have even suggested that because the Pommy is hosting it and we are so bad at rugby at the moment, that's the reason I haven't dared have a rugby player on the Call Up podcast. But, but I'm really excited today because none of that is true. Uh, but I'm excited today not only because we can avert those fears by having our first pro rugby player on the podcast but because we've got a young man who's using that platform his sporting platform for a a greater purpose and I know working with many young sports people one of the things they tell me is that they not only want to provide for their families through sport but they also have a desire to make a difference and give back to their community so if you're one of those people then you really need to listen to this podcast today so I'm delighted to have Ati Mayinje with me today. He's presently playing for the EP Elephants, uh, but he's also established his own MPO, Love Sport Africa, that's doing incredible, deep transformational work through sport in the township of Motherwell in the Eastern Cape. Ati, welcome to the Call Up podcast. Ah, thank you for having me, Rev. Thank you for having me. And it's, yeah, it's an absolute honor and a privilege. Well, I think the honour and privilege is going to be uh, not just for me, but anybody listening to to your story today. Uh, I think I better just explain to everybody why you're calling me Rev. Um, some sports people call me Bruce, which is my name. Some call me Brucey. Um, some call me Mr. Bruce, even when they're like 30 years of age because they've known me for so many <laughs> years. Um, and some people like you call me Rev. And I need to explain to people that goes back to my time in England at Leicester City. The players and the coaches and the staff there always used to call me Rev, as in Reverend. And that's kind of stuck. So, so Ati, I thank you for reminding me of, of back home in the UK when I first began my sports ministry journey. So thanks for that. Um, but let's dive straight in. Before we get to like the heart of your story, um, I think a lot of people would be interested to know about how you started playing rugby. And, you know, your early years are, you know, you're brought up in a township, you're attending a township primary school, and the opportunities to play rugby are often limited in that context. You don't always have access to rugby. So tell us how you end up being introduced to the game. Um, yeah, Rev. So, I mean, for me, growing up, um, I grew up, I was born in Kwazakele, um, in, in Port Elizabeth, Tabesa. It's a township just near Zwide and New Brighton. 
And yeah, luckily for me, you know, sports has been a big part of my life since then. I remember trying every and any sport that we could play. And we generally played the sports that we used to watch on, on TV. So that was your, your soccer, your small poles, and your cricket. So we used to use a tire, put a rock in the tire so that it's stable, get a plank, you know, and if you had a tennis ball, you were it was good as gold. So a tennis ball or any sort of ball, you know, you were the CEO of the street. It was good <laughs> as gold. And yeah, I was fortunate to get my, my sporting background from there. Yeah, we never played a lot or any any rugby to be fair, because again, rugby was only playing on super sport then and yeah, we didn't really know much about the game. And it was only when my mother married and I moved to Bloor Bay, uh, which is a, a suburb just on the outskirts of PE that I could go to Bloor Bay primary that I got to I got to experience the game of rugby for the first time. And I was I was at about age eight then, Rev. Yeah, so it's moving. It's actually moving, isn't it, to a, a community where there was access to rugby. I mean, I just wonder how many uh, atis are out there who never get that opportunity to play the sport and discover their their God-given talent. But maybe that's something for later, because I'm sure that's been one, if not uh, one, one amongst many of your your motivations for for giving back to your community. But you know, you, you clearly have a talent for playing rugby and that lands you a, a scholarship, doesn't it, at Gray School. And I know you have a really successful school's career. You show a lot of promise. But when we've had conversations before, you, you've shared one particular highlight I would love for you to share uh, with our audience. Um, yeah, Rev. So I, I was fortunate enough to be given a platform um, and the opportunity to to attend in a prestigious school like Gray High School, uh, which is one of the best schools in, in Port Elizabeth. And yeah, I mean, from there, I went on to represent Eastern Province from under 12 right through to, to seniors. And yeah, I think, Rev, the story you're talking about is, 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 is one that I hold dear to me because it stems three years in the making. I was in grade 10 and I'm a 16 year and I got a bad injury, a bad knee injury that went from you'll only be out for two weeks, you'll be back within two months. That ended up being two years, uh, which I was sidelined. Wow. No, no rugby for two years. No rugby for two years, Rev. And, and when you... When you're in that situation, you know, you go through a whole range of emotions. You know, you 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 first eager to come back. Then you realize, you know, the reality of the situation and then come to a compromise, you know, with your with your gift or your talent. You know, you you I remember nearing the, the time in which I was coming back, I remember just thinking, you know, if I can just play third team and then maybe just get a cap, you know, just just get a cap, just one just one first team cap, just to say, you know, that I I fulfilled part of my potential, you know, and I wasn't a, a, just a player that was brilliant in the junior years. And then, you know, everyone is talking about you like you passed on, you know, when the young kids come through, they say, yeah, that guy used to be good or that guy used to be able to do this. Or, you know, for me, just getting that one cap would have been a realization of, you know, part of my potential. 
and 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 part of the obligation of coming to a school like this, you know, is to better their rugby program. So that cap meant a lot. And it was two years onwards that I got an opportunity to play in my first derby day as a first team player. It didn't take the whole season. It was our first derby of the year and we played against Paul Russ. And I remember just, you know, being over overwhelmed with emotion. And, you know, the whole game plan was that we're going to go out there. We're going to look to stomp on authority. And we're going to look to 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 really, we run amok. You know, that's what we called it that year or those times. Is that every time we went on the field, we wanted to run amok. And we wanted to, yeah, blow anyone out the park. And Rev, we were about second off. We were, we were 26-0 down. 26 nil down, and just to paint the picture, this is this is at Paul Roos in Stellenbosch, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So, so anybody who who knows anything about schools rugby will know that they don't have a few people; they have the whole school there. The crowd is huge, isn't it? I mean, rugby yeah. is taken incredibly serious. One of the elite rugby schools in South Africa, and you're 26 nil down, and you've also got the crowd against you. What happened next? Yeah, and then Rev, I mean, it wasn't going to plan. And the first team stands was, the first team Paul Rest stand was singing, where's your first team to our boys, you know? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we clearly hadn't showed up and the scoreboard agreed with them. But there was a moment, Rev, where now Springbok scrum off um, Herschel Yanchis. Um, I always remind him when I get the opportunity to. Um, he picked up the ball and he went blindside. And it was just myself and another teammate of mine. And he kicked it over us, Rev. And I remember that moment because there was a split second to make a decision. It was either I, I throw my hands up and say I gave my best. I tried to, he kicked it over me. Uh, I tried to charge him down. Didn't happen. Oh, well, not my problem. Or he kicks it over. And regardless of what happens or the bounce of the ball, I just, turn around and chase. And the one thing that that made me turn around, Rev, the one thing that made me turn around was the simple fact that I believe that there's a way, there's a way to lose and shouldn't be because of a lack of effort, mm. you know? And when you're an athlete and you're always going out or into a game, you know, expecting to to do your absolute best, expecting the best outcome, you know? But when that doesn't happen, you know, then, you know, who are you then? You know, and, and I always and, believe And it's so easy, isn't it, to drop your standards. Have a pity party, yeah. drop your standards, the game's over, you know, what's the point of risking anything? Yeah, you know, Rev. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to turn around. Um, and the ball was bouncing and it was sitting up nicely. And all you needed to do was just dive on it. And I've been waiting for the soccer moment for all my life. And as I was about to dive on it, I went for a slight tackle and was able to dislodge the ball under his under his arms. And Praise the Lord for your township soccer schooling, right? Yo, Rev. Um, I mean, I would have preferred a bicycle kick, you know, classic style. <laughs> but I mean, uh, a nice Nemanja Vidic tackle, you know, as I, as I said to the boys, um, had to do. And yeah, Rev, um, that sparked that sparked the the comeback and rallied the boys and before you knew it we were 27 26 no 27 26 up 
to win the wow. game. So yeah, it's it's one of the most special memories. And yeah, it was just one of those moments that, you know, I will I will treasure and remember for life. And I can always pinpoint to that split second decision where, you know, you can easily just throw your hands into the sky and, and accept that, you know, it's just not your day. Or you decide that regardless of it's your day or not, you know, um, it won't be because of a lack of effort from your side. And you were able to pull it back that day. On another day, we lose by 40 points. But that day we were able to pull it back. And yeah, for our first game back, it was it was a pretty special moment. Awesome stuff. A reminder that moments, you know, moments can, can change a game. Uh, move the game in a different direction. It also gives you a great bit of banter with a fairly well-known uh, rugby player in South Africa, doesn't it? But uh, maybe I should move on because if he's listening to this, you know, he might want to come on the come on the podcast to give his side of the story. But yeah, uh, maybe he should. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe he should. Maybe he should send this to him. Although he might he he might uh, he might see that as a as a as a rag to the ball. But you you know that's a great story, and I think I think there's a lot in that for anybody, uh, whether you're a sports person or not. Just about always giving your best, regardless of the circumstances, whatever your best might be in that moment. But you eventually turn pro. You you play for a number of years for the EP Kings, and then COVID strikes. And I know this had a huge impact on lots of sports people, but for you there were a lot of big decisions to make at this time about your rugby, about your studies about your future and when you've talked about this before you've you've described this moment in your life as feeling like a traffic jam would you just like to explain that to people and, and say a little bit about what was going on in your life how you responded to this traffic jam and ultimately how God worked in this time to bring you to where you are now you know just on the on the traffic jam analogy so I'll, I'll use my my sporting career try and tie that in, you know. So in the beginning, as I said, at school, we were quite successful. You know, we we, we beat Warriors, we beat Great College in matric. Um, I went on to play Craven Week. Um, we actually won Craven Week for the first time in 30 years. Um, so on Eastern Province side, you know, that's that's a piece of history that, that you know, we hold on to or that's never been achieved, you know, in, in 30 plus years. So it was a pretty special moment. I ended up getting a contract, King's Academy, and then went to NMU as well, got a bursary or scholarship to study there, to study law. And I remember, Rev, with the traffic jam, you know, so when you get into your car in the morning, you know, you go, you get in there and you know exactly where you're going, you know, the destination, you know, the estimated time of arrival, you know, everything is in within your control, mm. you know, and there's a, there's a certain element, there's that excitement to it, you know, it's a new day, it's a new beginning. So you're getting into your car, you know, everything is going as it should. You're playing music, you, you sing. No, what you should be life. saying is you're listening to the Call Up podcast is what you should be saying, Ati. <laughs> listening to the Pull Up podcast, you know, you got the, you got the volume up, you know, and and things are things are looking good, you know. Potentially you'll, you'll, get, you'll get to where you want to go, you know, and you'll get there quite comfortably the way you envision, the way you envision and planned it to be. You know, and then you come up and you see the first signs of, you know, traffic. Uh, there's, there's quite a few cars on the road. It's, it's a bit more than I expected, you know, but you still have that excitement, you know, that, oh, oh well, I left nice and early, you know, I should get there with still five minutes to spare. You know, I wanted to get there 10 to 15 minutes earlier, but 
you know, I should still make it, you know. So you still have that excitement there. You're still playing the music, maybe turned it down a bit, you know. Uh, and, and, and now you're still, you're still within your control, you know, because you made provision for it. You still feel as though, you know, I should get to where I need to be eventually. And then you drive a bit further, Reb, and then you start seeing that there's actually a bit more cars than I anticipated. But now we actually stopped. You know, the progress isn't flowing as it was 10 to 15 minutes ago. Now there's, we've actually stopped and now you're moving slower and slower and slower. And then you start looking at in front of the traffic and you realize you actually can't see what is happening in the front. So you're actually not sure as what is causing this traffic jam. So now all of a sudden, you're not sure whether you're going to be here for 10 more minutes or you're going to be here for five more hours. Sounds like Joburg on a Monday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness I don't live in Joburg. (laughs) You know, so now that certain element of uncertainty starts breeding doubt. You know, now now you're starting to feel as though, yes, but it's not in your control anymore. And then you move maybe another five to six paces forward. And then you start to realize, actually, you're no longer going to make that time in which you estimated to be actually at that actual placing. Now, yeah, so you end up just being conflicted as to what to do next because you feel as though you need to do something. You know, now you get to a point where you feel as though any movement is better than no movement, you know, whereas... So what, do you do? so what do you do? Jump out your car and start walking. Exactly. You jump out your car, you start running. You know, you start <laughs> walking, you start running. It feels a bit better than just sitting in the car because you're technically working towards, you know, that ideal destination. You're actually moving forward instead of being stationary. So my question, at is I think everybody's got that picture. So how does that relate to your story, this, this COVID moment, decisions about your career, about your studies, about your future? Um, so now, Rev, I thought with, with COVID, um, there was a big opportunity, you know, um, as much as it was a time of turmoil, a time of adversity, you know, I always felt like during those times, that's when, that's when your, your leadership shines through. That's when the light shines brightest is in the dark and 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 similar to to that poor Russ story where you know we were we were down 26 points you know and i felt as though regardless of that there's an opportunity there's a moment to step up and i had to do it i felt like if it's going to be someone it's going to be me and it was something similar at this point as well with with COVID, because it leveled everything, it felt as though now is the opportunity to come out the blocks, you know, first or come out the blocks fastest when things open up again. So I started investing everything into my rugby. I left, I left NMU, I left, I left the varsity and I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this rugby thing a full go. I don't want, I don't want any regrets when it's time for me to hang up the boots and say, but you never actually gave it a full go. So I left and I went to and I went to Valcom. And as soon as I got to Valcom, my father passed. And and when my father passed, I reiterated everything, Rev, 
you know, it, it told me that you only got one life to live, you know, give it your best shot and, and, and don't live with any regret because you don't know we are on borrowed time. You know, you know, you don't know when your number's called and yeah, Rev, I joined athletics program. I was in the gym probably from seven to about five and obviously your lunch and your meals in between, but I was going five to six sessions a day. I'll be, I'll be going home, driving home tired at like 7 p.m. And, you know, there'll be a voice that says, you know, no one else would do it. And then I'll take a detour and I'll, and I'll go to the staircase um, close to where I live, you know, and I'd run for an hour and a half, you know, and it's like Man United's playing at 9 p.m. And I'm trying to squeeze in two more sets of stairs at 8.50, you know, and it's, it's dark. It's just you and your thoughts, you know, and all you can think about is, is just the vision, your destination, you know, how this is an opportunity, you know, for you to, to then get, get back on, tra- on track and get back on course. So I think, I think anybody listening to this is going to say what, what they're hearing is you've decided the destination and you've decided what time you're going to get there. Uh, you, you've, you've, you've given up on your education and you're going to throw yourself wholeheartedly into having this rugby career and you are doing everything. You are spending yourself in the process of making yourself as good as possible. You've made this decision. You've left home. So what happens when you make your debuts for the Griffins? Is that right? Yeah. So... I mean, I felt like I was in the best physical shape of my life. You know, I really felt as though, you know, this is going to be my big break. Playing for a new team in a new city, you know, um, just, yeah, everything that comes with that. You know, that new beginning and you know exactly now this is going to be, you know, the stepping stone to that destination, to that goal, to that dream. And, yeah, first minute, Rev, first touch. My first touch of the ball, I I had a nice goose step. You know, into a gap. I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I envisioned it. That's exactly how it was going to go in my mind as well. And it was a two-on-one myself with a ball in hand and the, and my winger next to me. And it was just a fullback left. And I, I, I decided to pass to the winger to score an easy try. And I got tackled late. And that tackle went directly to, to my knee. The knee that has been injured or that was injured previously when I was still in high school and took me out for two years. And it hadn't caused any problems, any long-term problems since 2012, per se. So now it's, it's 2021. And yeah, COVID opens exactly as I envisioned it. Hit the gap, put the wing away, good start to the game. And then I get that late tackle. And then I just, yeah, I couldn't get up. And, you know... Having had knee injuries before, worse knee injury before, you know, you sort of have that optimism that, you know, last time I wasn't able to to wobble. If I can wobble off the field, that means, you know, but you know there's something wrong, but it means maybe it's not too bad. And then went to the doctor, went to get the scans done, scans came back, and that was my season. Wow. Um, so, so you've made this huge decision. You've got out of the car in the middle of a traffic jam. You've decided your destination. You've decided how you're going to get there. You've sacrificed hugely, and a minute into your debut, it, it's it's basically over. Yeah, you know, Rev, as you're saying it now, you know, I felt like the more movement that I do, you know, the quicker I'm going to get to the destination. <laughs> Where, whereas the traffic jam was there, you know, there's cars, plenty of cars in front of me, 
But I felt like if I can get out and just start running, you know, eventually, eventually the hard work, you know, would. So would yeah yeah so yeah I think we get that and it's amazing that you were doing all of this. But what I'm hearing at it, and I think a lot of people are hearing, is you decided. So what does God do in this moment? You know how that, what, mm. what what does He do in this 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 dark valley? How does He work in your life in this moment that brings you to the place where you're you're now doing this incredible work in your community? They are, Rev. I think for me the the realization came when just one one night after training, after just rehab in the gym, you know, I I, I parked the car in front of the in front of the gate and I probably sat there for about forty five minutes and you know I just yeah I, I broke down and 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 I and I just asked God I get it you know I get it all of this for the past two years you know it was all. I felt like it was on me, you know, if it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to be because of me. It's going to be because of my effort. It's going to be because of my work ethic. Whereas at that moment I surrendered, I said, there's just, there's no way, you know, and, and God, if, if this, if this journey, if this destination, you know, is not what you want for me, you know, then, then I'm fine with that. If this is not, if, if this is not meant to be, you know, if that destination in which I was wanting to reach and I was running towards is not the one that you have planned for my life, you know, then then I'm content with that. And it, it was a tough conversation, Rev. It was a tough conversation. All that I've dreamt about, all that I've been working towards, you know, since I touched the ball, since I realized that, you know, there's a gift behind this oval ball, you know, and having it and having it in hand it's been this one dream that, you know, get to that destination, reach the fullest potential, get to the pinnacle of the sport. And all of a sudden to say, actually, that was maybe all me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm now surrendering this gift and saying, God, if it if it's meant to be, you'll take me there. But I know for certain that it won't be because of my effort, but because of your will and your glory. And I decided to to come back home. I decided to to come back home because during that COVID period, I had I had planted myself in a soup kitchen, and in that soup kitchen, I got to see you know the the strife and turmoil that is that basically is the reality you know of people in the township, and you know the, the 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 mother of the soup kitchen always wanted me to to join you know and become a director and and really get involved in a soup kitchen and i told her mama i'm just here to serve you know but out of that i saw the opportunity and i and i saw where where i fit in best and that would be on the side of the field next to the field that's where i wanted to give back the most and through that when i had that conversation with god Everything just said, just come back home. And it felt like I knew what I needed to do, Rev. I knew what I needed to be. And it was, yeah, it was basically where I am now. So what I'm what I'm hearing is God brings you to this moment, surrender. You've been doing it your way, son. But you know what? I got a better way. And he gives you your his heart for the poor. And then he says, I'm gonna use your rugby, but not in the ways that you'd imagined. That's 
that's pretty powerful stuff. And maybe we need to to jump right there. I, I know we could spend a lot of time exploring this moment in your life. And it's it's a really powerful testimony, Atty. You know, we have our plants. Yeah, but you know, if if we build our house in our own way, the scriptures are really clear. We 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 build in vain. And what I'm hearing is God graciously, graciously brought you to that moment of surrender. You've ended up starting Love Sport Africa. You're working in the township of Motherwell. Just tell us a little bit about some of the challenges in Motherwell. Your heart for the poor, your love of rugby coming together, and it, and it meets in the community of Motherwell in the Eastern Cape. Tell us about the challenges there. Um, Rev, I think, you know, the most prevalent one that, that many would, would attest to is the fact that, you know, in the township, absent fatherhood is 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 a theme um and it's a prevalent theme where you know children are being raised by single mothers and there's a lot of parent or mother-led houses where the fathers are absent and for me that sparked that interest in getting involved and creating a program called rugby for women empowerment because i could now understand that you know had i not touched that ball um, at that age of eight, I wouldn't have realized, you know, that there's a gift, you know, within that. There's a superpower within that. And I wouldn't have gotten the scholarship to a great high school. I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity, you know, to to go to university and study for a degree. You know, I wouldn't have gotten an opportunity to put food on the table, you know, because of the sport. And with that said, I understood that about 80% of the schools in the township don't have sporting programs. Mm. There is there, there's there's not even a, an element of play. They, they, there is none, you know. And I decided to throw myself wholeheartedly into that, and I decided to start, you know, a uniformed, quality and consistent um, sporting program because one of the biggest lacks out of children in the township is the lack of consistency. Mm. You know, yes, we get to, we will get the sporting clinic here today but then they don't come again for the next six months. So I really wanted to plant myself and create an environment where, you know, I could drive quality rugby coaching, but also support the individual holistically. And I felt as though, you know, with this Rugby for Women Empowerment Program, you know, I'd be able to really give these young girls an opportunity or the same opportunities that I was able, you know, to, to attain just by touching a rugby ball. And just firsthand, Rev, you know, just seeing a child catch a ball and run and realize she's fast. Yeah. You know, just the sheer beauty of of something like that, that, you know, had had she not touched that ball, she would have never have realized that she's got superpower, superpower <laughs> speed, you know, and, and that's just one of the, the, the testaments um that I've I've been able to to witness. But also, Rev, just the the plight and 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 the environment in which they're growing up in, you know, it's not one that's that's conducive. A couple months ago, we had one of our girls' house get broken into. They took all their belongings, and the father was was shot right in front of in front of the family, and he, and he lost his life. May his soul rest in peace. But that's the situations in which we're dealing. That's yeah. the reason why, you know, we we're doing what we're doing. You know, stories like those, Rev. A lot of, it might scare a lot of people off, but you know, for 
for myself and for for our team it's it's something that we knew what we were getting into you know we we this is why we're actually here and and not necessarily at a more better rugby school or coaching there where you can get you know something in return so yeah as as much as it's it's a daunting task when things like these happen it reinforces you know that calling it reinforces that purpose and it's not something that we run away from but it's something that we ran towards and we will continue to run towards is really shaping and changing the life of these young ladies holistically and using rugby as a vehicle you know to bring about that change wow actually that that is incredible and i, I think any anybody listening to this now can hear this leaks out of you you know god has placed his heart for the poor and for this community for these women you know, in your heart, and it's definitely the Lord's doing, and he's using your passion and your love for rugby to engage with some of the very deep, deep challenges in the community. It's wonderful to hear how God is using your platform for a really rich kingdom purpose. And as I say, that leaks out of you. Anybody listening to that can can testify to that. And I'm sure you can tell many, many stories and we just haven't got time today, but maybe we'll do a podcast in the future where you can come back and tell us some of the stories of hope. But how can, you know, one of the things I want to do is make sure that we put a link in the notes at the end for people who want to connect with your work. It's Love Sport Africa, but very quickly, just tell people how they can maybe connect with your work. Is there a website? Is there a, a contact email? they can go to if they're interested in finding more about your work. Yes, yes, Rev. Thank you for for this opportunity. Yes, they can contact us through lovesportafrica at gmail.com. That's our that's our email address. And then we are on social platforms. So we are on Facebook and, and, and Instagram. Um and then they can also join our check our website on lovesportafrica.com um erf so that's great yeah. we'll make sure that is in the addition notes that are, are attached to this but i ask all the sports people this this is the call-up podcast uh but we began our call-up journey with a prayer book i know that you've got a copy i know that you've used it but one prayer or one theme in the call-up prayer book that um has been a blessing to you um yeah Rev, i think my my favorite one is is the prayer before training um, and it's one that I, I, I use very often and it's one that I've even added my own my own touch to it um, because I found it just inspiring. And I actually use it this weekend in, in our game against Kenya. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it basically epitomizes everything, you know, that, that any athlete would want to achieve on, on, on the rugby field or any field to be, for example. So yeah, it goes, I praise you. For your mercy in Jesus Christ, which means I can offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. That's Romans 12, um, verse 1. And then it goes on to say, I thank you that this mercy means that I can know you, love you, and use my whole life, including my physical abilities, for your glory. As I prepare for this training session, please receive my body's presentation as a living sacrifice. May it be holy and acceptable to you as I train in your honor. I commit this training session. It's every second and his results to you. In Jesus' strong name, I pray. Amen. So yeah, Rev, um, that's that's my fighter. That's the one I normally, I normally go with. And then um, I, I remixed it um, when it goes, 
please take please receive my body's presentation as a living sacrifice i always add on and and my effort you know as an offering of gratitude for the gifts in which you've you've placed within me you know so so yeah, tell you what actually we'll we'll do a deal here because we're working on a revised and expanded edition of the call up prayer book because we pretty much exhausted the 8000 plus copies that we had printed and we need to do a new edition um, you've got to send me that little remix because let's add that remix to the next edition. No, that'll be awesome, Rev. Um, yeah, no, definitely I'll send it to you. That's great stuff. And then finally, the locker room worship song. What's your locker room worship song? Um, for me, it's it's something has to break by Kira Sherd. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a powerful song, and you know. For me, being a person that that enjoys their music, just the emotion, um, and it, it it gets me up. It gets me up for any any day, any challenge, and it reminds me that eventually something has to break. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's awesome, Matty. Just want to thank you once again for being on this podcast. I think there's been a lot of meat in that for people to reflect upon. But I think the biggest one for me is we can so focus on our destination and miss out if we're not careful on God's destiny for our lives. And it's just wonderful to hear how God has said, hey, this is the destiny I have for you. Um, We'll be praying for you as you continue to minister um, in the community of Motherwell. Um, And I pray that many, many resources would come your way. Keep on loving, loving the folks there. Keep on seeking God's mercy and God's justice and grace for that community. And those of us who know you will be praying for you and supporting you from afar. God bless you, my friend. Thank you very much, Reverend. Thank you for the platform. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Ati, for, for joining us on this podcast. We appreciate it. God bless you. God bless, Rev. The Call Up Podcast, where faith meets sport and life. This is brought to you by Sports Chaplaincy South Africa. The Power of His Dream brings you here. LIA Productions.